Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, Zach, have you heard of meth? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode six of the Real and Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Zach Curtis. On today's episode, we have investors Don and Janelle from the LA, California area. They're currently out-of-state investors who use the birth strategy to invest in Indianapolis, Indiana. We'll talk more about what happened with the meth ordeal. They'll also give some good information on the birth strategy and how new investors can get into real estate. I'll turn it over to them to let them introduce themselves. What's up, everybody? Uh, I am Don and... I'm Janelle. And we are real estate investors. <laughs> Where do you guys currently live at? We live in Southern California. So we live in Simi Valley. Um, it's in Ventura County, basically on the line of LA and Ventura County. And how many properties do you currently hold? We currently have four properties, three triplexes and one duplex. And um, those are spread out over 11 units. So are all your properties in the LA area or do you invest out of state? No, we are out-of-state investors, so we actually chose Indiana. Uh, we invest in Muncie and Anderson, Indiana. Muncie's kind of like a little college town. Um, it's where Ball State University is, and Anderson is just a small town. Rents are decent, cash flows are decent, so yeah, so we chose those two towns to start off with. So when you're looking for your properties, do you look for more turnkey properties or properties that need rehab? Our model, we really try to, we try to burn our properties, so more rehab intensive looking at our business strategy i think when we're going into new markets try to go with either like a lighter rehab or more turnkey just to feel out the team too um so if we need to make adjustments we can do that but ideally rehab and value add place so how long did it take you to get your 11 doors oh we started last year in march so it took us about a year to do that we grew really really quickly um i think that we grew probably a little too much. We took on a little too much than we should have the first year. Um, just because our rehabs were just so intense. We were ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we just went balls to the wall. Yeah. But, no, and it, it turned out good. Like a, a lot of learning, which was mm -hmm. nice. But at the end of the day, we have, we have decent properties that uh, we actually just filled one hundred percent today, which is really cool. Awesome. Congratulations on that and scaling so fast in a year. What's your why as to getting into real estate investing? We really wanted to focus on lifestyle when we chose our careers. Um, we really wanted something that we didn't have to work for like 40 years and then have fun afterwards type of thing. We didn't want just one week of vacation a year. We love to travel. We love to experience new cultures and the people and just different things. So we really wanted a career path that allowed us to do that. And so we looked for a little while at different things. We first were realtors um, and a mortgage officer to try and create the lifestyle that we wanted that way. But we realized that was just another job. So we wanted something different, a little bit more passive. And then we found investing and fell in love with it. So, um, and that you can do basically anywhere because <laughs> we're in Southern California and investing in Indy. So it works. Is it the same for you, Don, or did you, did you have a different why? <laughs> my why was basically to create something that I could uh, leave a legacy with. Um, one of our companies is CP Legacy Holdings. Um, and again, just trying to create something that will outlast us, but also just create something that is passive. So especially with our our normal nine to five type jobs, like it's up and down. I mean, COVID, what it, it just uh, shut the door basically on. So, um, 
but our, our tenants still paid rent. Um, that was the only check we got in April. <laughs> so, um, so that's, it was cool. So just something positive. Yeah, we, we also just wanted to have time to spend with family too. Time was a big thing as well. Both my parents worked full time when I was growing up. So my grandparents would have picked me up from school, different things like that. Like I didn't get to see them a whole lot. Um, they were great parents. They did the best, you know, like they were amazing. But um, yeah, I just wanted something a little different for my kids and how we raised them. And similar to me, my uh, my dad was in the film, is currently in the film business. Um, those hours are insane. Um, you're on shows from either four months at a time to like TV's like nine. So there is that, um, there's still that up and down even there, but like 14 hour days, night shoots, it's it was crazy. So I, I knew traveling I, a lot. Yeah, traveling a lot. Like I mean, they shoot like those Batman movies and stuff, dude. They're in freaking Iceland. They're in China and Saudi Arabia, all this stuff. But um, uh, so I wanted something that I could stay home at for the or at least for most of the year, just hang out. That's pretty interesting. Why? And that's pr pretty cool that your dad is in the film industry. Does he do big movies? Like, did he do Batman or? He used to, I mean, he got called to work on Batman Begins, um, and he would have, if he did that, he would have been on the whole whole series with, with Nolan, most likely. But, mm -hmm. I mean, he did, like, Born on the Fourth of July. Um, and Tom Brad Cruise. Pitt used to, like... Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. He yeah. would just, he would, like, want him, like, he needs yeah, to work on, on yeah. this movie. Yeah, this is back in the, the 80s, yeah. early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, he, he worked on, uh, I think, Home Alone 2 as well. So, <laughs> he's oh, working on... Pretty cool. Guys, we're on Chicago PD right now, uh, the TV show. Um, so, and I, I interned there a couple months during college to work on, it, like, to pay for <laughs> pay for college. So that was kind of cool. So that kind of gave us a little taste of what that life was like too. Him working and being away shooting in Chicago when I we live in Southern California. Mm -hmm. His mom lived here too at the time. So um, they, we were all back here while the guys were working in Chicago. And I was like, this is not gonna work. <laughs> you need to be here, yeah. so. Well, I like your guys' wise to get into real estate. It sounds like you guys are pretty passionate about what you do. Go, going off what you said, you're, you wanna create a, a legacy. What, what does that look like for you? A legacy basically means, to me, um, just something that I can pass on to my kids, grandkids, stuff like that, and to create something bigger then myself um that's what we're trying to create we're starting to get into bigger multifamily, and we're, we're really passionate about um larger multifamily. so that's that's a that's a business a big business unto itself so mm -hmm. that would be something that people we could pass on to um mm -hmm. yeah yeah we also really want to create those memories with our family mm -hmm. you know we want our family to just really be joyful and happy of all of the things that we've had to sacrifice and do and um, be able to pass that along to them so that they continue building those memories with their families and for future generations. Like we just want our hard work to last for as long as it possibly can. Um, so that's where we're trying to build the foundation now so that our kids and their kids and their kids can just live the life that they want to live instead of have to live. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I love that. And I think that's probably one of the best whys is I've heard so far is getting into real estate. <laughs> Thanks. Keep it going. Uh, so let's transition into what your team looks like. I know that you said earlier you live in the LA area and you invest in Muncie, Indiana. So obviously that's not just right down the road. So how do you manage those properties? So for, for property, man, I mean, we have, pro 
we have two property managers for the two cities. Um, so they handle the day-to-day -day stuff. They'll, they'll send out the maintenance guys. If it's, it's smaller, if it's bigger, I have like a certain, anything over 75, please call me and I'll send out my contractor. So we have my property managers, a contractor, a couple agents uh, because we invest in a couple different areas. And then we have, we have a one lender right now, uh, one to two. So yeah, lenders, the lender has been probably one of the hardest to find actually, which is surprising mm -hmm. um, because our price points are so small. We're kind of, our housing prices are kind of between 30 to 50,000, um, maybe 70. And because of that, a lot of lenders don't lend on that small of a loan amount because mm -hmm. they usually lend like 75% of whatever the ARV is. And so we've really had to dig really deep to find lenders that will that'll lend on something like this. It's pretty crazy. And so we finally found two that will do the job. Um, and we're working with one right now on two of our refinances. Yeah, and there's no, for again, we're self-employed. So we had to adjust our taxes and kind of work work to fit those guidelines. Cause out, I mean, California, we, have, we got like stated programs, we got like bank statements, like a lot of non-QM kind of stuff or like non, traditional mortgages, but out there because the price points are slow, so low and the banks, it's not worth the risk for them for those types of loan programs. So you got to do it a little more traditionally. So are you going to banks to find your, uh, your funding or are you using like mortgage lenders? I think we're, we're going with like banks and the mortgage lenders that work for the bank. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah, we've yeah. called everybody though. And we've just been calling people and also getting uh, referrals from either people in different real estate groups. Um, there's a, we're a part of a couple Facebook groups like the Indie Facebook groups and uh, Bigger Pockets, different things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then from our agent as well, we're getting some different referrals from them and our contractor and other investors in the area and who they work with. Um, even investors in other towns um, like Dayton, Ohio or Louisville, different places like that that have similar loan amounts like ours. Uh, we ask them who they're using for, for banks because we were having such a tough yeah. time. So yeah. yeah. So with your contractors, are you finding them yourselves or uh, like how is the screening process working for you since like you're out in LA, like we mentioned, are you just having them do video walkthroughs uh, with your agent? I'll, I'll kind of backtrack to how we found our contractor. Uh, we found our contractor through our wholesaler who we got our first deal from and uh, a property management company too. So like I, you had a couple people recommend him, which was cool. And he did the, the work on one of our units. We actually I have family who lives in Indiana. So like my parents live out there and my sister goes to Purdue while visiting them for like Easter or something. We swung by our, our first property and was it, we were able to meet mirror contractor and stuff. So he did great on the first job. Um, we got a couple other bids too, just to make sure we were moving the right direction. But um, he was fairly priced, seemed like an honest guy and a lot of referrals pointed the right direction. So that's how we found our first one. Yeah. We also talked to other contractor type people that he worked with. So like electricians and stuff like that to figure out if he worked well with them or how do they like working with them? Mm -hmm. Um, different things like that. And he was just honestly the best. And to also another thing is that when we, since we buy out of state and we can't physically see the property, actually all the properties we've bought and have been sight unseen, like we mm -hmm. weren't physically there to see yeah. it before we close, we have, 
different team members go to the property, take videos and send it to us to make sure that they're all seeing the exact same thing and I'm not buying some barn somewhere, you know? So, so we, and they don't know that they're each going, they go at different times or at the same time and don't know that each other are going. Mm -hmm. So we try to keep it as separate as possible. So we know that we're getting the property that yeah. we're seeing online. And then we do video walkthroughs and then we'll release the next draw. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll do like usually our pay structure is like a deposit and then when if it's a larger job then I'll like pay them in stages when stuff gets accomplished but usually it's like a deposit and then after he finishes he sends me pictures and then I send him the rest mm -hmm. and the deposit usually covers materials for the job um, we sometimes will pay for the materials ourselves and then have him go pick it up but because we've developed a relationship with him now, he just goes by his everything mm -hmm. and tells us how much it is, basically. It's a good strategy that you use, having multiple people go to check out the property so they don't buy a barn, like you just said. <laughs> That's <laughs> smart. Yeah. Buying the first one. I had so many nightmares about that first property. I was like, <laughs> it burned down last night. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's so simple, but like you wouldn't even think of that. Because a lot of people who invest in real estate, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but most of them invest in their little area. So right. yeah, that would be kind of nervous not being able to see the property. But going back to what you said about your contractor, uh, I know that you developed a trust with him, but does he use like his discounts at his own box stores or do you know where he buys the materials at? Yeah, he has um, a couple of different places. Like, I mean, he's got a pro account at Lowe's. Um, so for like flooring and certain things he'll go there. Um, but he actually did siding and roof, uh, roof work for us. So he's got his own like siding and tile and, um, carpet places and stuff that are local. So he's, he, he hooks it up with the discounts and I'm like, Hey, like if there's anything on clearance or something, <laughs> he'll, he'll be like, yeah, my bud, like Gino's got some <laughs> carpet like that. I'm just trying to dump. Yeah. I'm like, throw it in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it's crazy, like, because we had a couple of appliances go out, like stoves and stuff, and these things are antiques, so like, I'm surprised they lasted this long, but we actually had, he, I found a couple stoves and stuff um, on Facebook Marketplace, even, so like a fraction of the price, so he, he would, um, I'd pay him a little extra, you know, pick them up wherever they are, so that's another little trick that I've used for appliances and mm -hmm. materials and the rehab like warehouse centers like the recenter Home for humanity yeah like, like habitat, habitat for humanity. different places like that like he will go for us and look for vanities or sinks count different stuff like that doors even and so he's super super frugal and thrifty with the money that we give him which is really nice yeah. and he'll suggest different things too like he'll say i found a bunch of upper cabinets if you want me to pick them up and we can just put them in your next rental. I was like, yes, please do it. And he just stores them in our basement somewhere. Like, not everyone is like that. No, <laughs> like, not he's at all. Very, we, we try to take care of them and pay super on time and just get everything quickly. And we've just built a trust together. We, we've seen, uh, we've flown, I've flown out enough to like talk to him. So he knows we're real <laughs> people and yeah, I like that you mentioned the Habitat for Humanity. I posted on my Instagram and I've been trying to tell everybody that I can. So I flipped the shower in my condo and it was all under 300 bucks. So nice. I got the, the tile and shoot, how much was it? I think it was like $80, 80 to $100 for the tile. And then uh, when I bought the place, my realtor gave me a $75 uh, Home Depot gift card. Okay. So I, I ended up spending $40 of my own money. And then my dad helped me with the plumbing because he used to work for a plumber on his days off. So 
I did the whole flip for like under $300 and it was sweet. So that's <laughs> I, awesome. I tell everybody I can, I was like, don't go buy brand new stuff. Like you can find great tile for real cheap at reuse stores and it was still even in the boxes. So, mm-hmm. but that's a good hack. So I know that you said that you use a property management company is, are they like completely hands-on and then you pay them a fee out of your cash flow, or how does that process work for you guys? Yeah. For the property managers, um, it's a 10% fee. I think both of them, yeah, both of them are 10%. Um, they take care of leasing the tenant. Um, they have connections with like handymen and, um, like plumbers, carpet cleaners, stuff like that. So they can, that's another way to get other vendors and they help us with evictions when oh, yeah. we need to evict tenants, which we've unfortunately have had to do. And their pricing is really, really fair. So we don't have to really deal with all of the hard things, I guess, about having a rental. They just take care of that for us. And then whatever they think we need, they need to call us on, then they will be like, they'll let us know what the issue is or what, whatever they're dealing with. And then we give them our okay. And then they'll go ahead and move forward with it. So it's been really, really nice having them. Cause obviously we're not there. We, even if we were there though, I still think I would use property management mm-hmm. um, because just with our business model, we wanted to be as hands off as we possibly could. And property management allows us to do that a little easier. Yeah. So yeah, they also help get units rent ready. Forgot about that. Yeah. So, so what would you say the pros and cons are to using property managers? The pros, they can really systemize your business, get it hands off to where, in my opinion, buy and hold should be like, they should be a, a, a minorly passive investment. Now, of course there's some day-to-day stuff, but I'd say the cons, if you have a bad property manager, you could just the wrong tenants get picked or, I mean, that's the big one. Like the wrong yeah. tenants get picked. Like. Yeah. Or they also have a, a lot of turnover. Mm-hmm. So um, you're constantly getting new tenants every year and you're constantly having to pay that new leasing fee. Um, some, I mean, some property management companies will do that to you so that they get extra money because that's how they make most of their money off of the leasing fees or whatever. So um, you have to be a little careful with that and make sure that they have a decent sized portfolio and that they are taking care of their owners. So you can even call the other owners and ask them for a referral and just be like, how do you like whoever, whoever, you know, like how are they doing with your portfolio? Are they helping you grow? Are they really helping you systematize everything. And so different things like that. So do you use two different property management companies or do you yeah. have one? Uh, we have two. We used to have one. We, we didn't fire them, but like we, we took, we took that property away. That was in a different, it was the next town over. But again, the areas that we invest in, it's super like um, every market is slightly different. Like even, town to town so um, which was a big learning curve for us because being in LA I mean in our even in our county Ventura County I mean it's basically like an hour drive from like point A to point B on the county lines and we know those areas like the back of our hands like it's no big deal but over there they're like 10 minutes apart maybe whoa whoa, that's 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 yeah we can't we can't do that like We were like, what is the big deal? I 20 we, minutes, I'm still in scene. <laughs> I know, we could not figure out what the problem was. But yeah, it was just like their specific sub-market was so, it was just so specific that we needed different property management companies that knew that location and knew that town. Yeah. So Especially for because we invest in C, C plus 
kind of areas mm -hmm. um, and properties. So, I mean, Facebook ads, they don't really, these people aren't on the internet as much as like maybe a B or an A class like um, property tenant would be. So they have their own little marketing strategies and to get them leased up. Yeah, that's how the area is that I live in right now is you'll start in one uh, city and you'll be in an A neighborhood and then five minutes down the road, you'll be in a C neighborhood and you'll be like, what just happened? So <laughs> that would be different for you guys. Like you said, here I complain about sitting in 20 minutes worth of traffic and you guys, it's an hour to get anywhere. So <laughs> I don't know how you manage it. Uh, <laughs> So let's transition into um, kind of what you look for cash-wise on your property. Uh, if it's one of your best deals, we can save it for that segment. But you said that you burr. So wh what does it look like for you to burr? Like if you're going to buy a property, like what numbers does it have to be? Sure. Uh, well, we are small multifamily investors. So we don't really do the single family stuff. Um, so we try to stay between two to four units. But this year we're trying to increase that from five to 20. Mm -hmm. apartment buildings um and with that we try to have 150 dollars per door um and so our roi we like it to come out to between 15 and 20 percent and for our when we burn refinance we really try to get all of our money out if we leave a little bit in the deal it's not like the end of the world it used to be for us we're like no we don't want to leave anything in there but now we're like okay like we still got this for a good deal it's still cash flowing well even though we have money in it so um yeah those are kind of our numbers we try to get as much out as possible without over leveraging so usually about 70 to 80 percent depending 70, on the property yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so it yeah so for somebody who might not know what the burr method is do you want to kind of dive into it and describe like from people who don't understand that burst it is an acronym and what it stands for sure yep so it is by rehab hold on by rehab cut this <laughs> by rehab <laughs> refinance repeat yeah so buy rehab rent refinance repeat that is the Burr method and it is a it is an idea too it's if, if you can't execute it like to the t like it's okay it's better than just doing like the 20 percent down and um it's less cash intensive mm -hmm. yeah and that phrase or acronym was coined by david green co-host of the bigger pocket podcast so if you want more information follow him i yeah. guess <laughs> look at his stuff yeah i actually read his book on burr and that's where kind of got me interested in it. Uh, so for talking to people who have actually done the BRRRR process, which part of the acronym do you think is the hardest to execute? For, for, uh, uh, go ahead. <laughs> for us, for us, it's been the refinance Yeah, that was my exact response. Um, a big part is to like, I mean, forget our like 1099 problems. Like, <laughs> like it's, even the, just the appraisals, the appraisal is the hardest yes. part of this process, especially when you invest in small, uh, multifamily because there are not as many comps as single family so you can get absolutely screwed by like an appraiser who just was having a bad day or just doesn't understand what you're doing which is hard to understand <laughs> that he doesn't understand it but or even that specific market because even in downtown Indianapolis which we're looking at next to move our money to I mean it goes block by block too so if you invest on the nice block but the appraiser is taking a comp from 
the bad block like a couple blocks down then still like half a mile like in that half a mile quarter mile right circle but it's, but it's still very different so the appraisal has been huge and also the six month seasoning period which we didn't know about when we first started so you have to wait basically when you take title and close on the property you have to wait six months before you're able to change title again basically so it's about a six month waiting period until you can get your money out for most banks, some small banks will let you have a, either like a four month seasoning period or no seasoning period. So your rehabs can get done a lot faster, but you usually have to wait six months. So definitely calculate that for holding costs. Those are portfolio lenders, just in case people like look for them if you want the lower seasoning periods. Mm -hmm. So for the six month process, does that start from the day that you close on the property or the day from the first renter being in the property? The day you change title. So the day you close on the property. Mm -hmm. So you can put, you can definitely put renters in there and it's nice that you're not going to have a mortgage for six months, but you also can't flip your money, which is basically what we try to do yeah. using the Burr method. We're trying to just flip our money so that 50,000 is able to buy us like 11 properties as opposed to the one. Right. Yeah. I love the Burr method. And like we said, when we first started or before we even started recording, like that's the strategy that I'm looking to get into. Uh, what do you think would be the easiest part of the Burr method? Buying <laughs> yeah. for her. Buying for me and repeating. Yeah. <laughs> repeating the process for sure. Um, addictive, man. It is. Once you close on your first property, it's so hard <laughs> to not keep looking for the next good deal. And I'm pretty good at finding deals. Um, I love it. I love analyzing the numbers and just looking at how it could work. So buying is definitely the easiest part. Now, are you buying strictly from your agent, uh, off-market deals from the MLS? A little bit um, of both. Yeah, a little bit of both, definitely. Um, even for our off-market wholesale deals, we like our agents to still go take a look and run comps on it to make sure that we're still buying a good deal. Um, but our first property was a wholesale deal, and our fourth property was also a wholesale deal. Um, the second and third were off the MLS. So you can still find good deals on the MLS, especially if it's been in the market for quite a while. And yeah, it's basically what we did. So with working with, uh, with a wholesaler, how does that process work? Um, it's pretty similar to um, like a normal transaction, except there's only like, you only deal with the wholesaler. There's no agents involved. So you have to do your own due diligence for sure. And it's either cash or hard money. Most of like 99% of the time. So, and with, uh, this particular wholesale sailor, the deposit went hard right away. So better want it for <laughs> you, you know, you want it. So yeah, like for a normal real estate transaction, if you were to buy it off the MLS, you basically have two to three weeks to do all of your due diligence. So all of your inspections, your appraisal, your whatever you need to do to feel comfortable buying the property, you have about 21 days to do all of those things and your money is safe. So when you put your money into escrow, uh, you have to sign off the contingencies to allow that money to go hard, meaning it's non-refundable. So once you sign off on all contingencies, then the seller is able to keep the money if for some reason the transaction goes south and you don't want the property anymore. But dealing with wholesalers, you usually don't get that luxury. So right when you go into escrow, like that property is yours or you're losing your five to $10,000 deposit. So you have to make sure that you're doing all of your inspections, your whatever reports that you need to feel comfortable buying the properties before, yeah, before putting in your deposit. So how did you find your wholesaler? Uh, is it just like finding a uh, agent or? I mean, we, we found our agents and, um, 
and our wholesaler. We actually, we have like two or three, but like we found them on bigger pockets. Um, and we like that. We liked that when we first started because it create, there was credibility there. Like it, it, they post a lot and there's kind of a, a credibility that they have that I'm sure they have with having so much like content on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we, we called, um, we asked for references like, Hey, do you have anyone who's you've worked with in the past? And so we called them and asked them how their experience went. And actually I, I have been the reference for this wholesaler for a number of investors who are looking to buy properties from him as well. So mm-hmm. also Facebook groups, those have been pretty handy for us too, for finding wholesalers and agents that fit our business model and what we're looking to yeah. do. Um, and I mean, they want to do a good job too, because if, if they do something wrong with one of the investors on this group or, the bigger pocket, whatever, you know, like you can kind of call them out. <laughs> yeah. Like right on the site, you know, like, and warn the other people not to work with this person cause you got screwed over. So, and they don't want that. So they usually they're pretty credible and they know what they're doing. I really like how due diligent you guys are with uh, making sure you get the right people, but then also helping out that person and like making sure that they get more business. I think that that model will go pretty far for you guys and you're, your investing future. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely want it to be a win-win for everybody involved. Like even on our wholesale properties that we buy, if we get our agent involved, we're going to make sure that we pay him for all of the stuff that he does for us, whether it's just going to look at the property pictures, whatever, like we make sure that they're taken care of for their time and their efforts. Mm -hmm. Keep your loyal to you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So let's transition into your best deal that you have in your portfolio right now. How did you find it? Did you find it through the wholesaler or through your agent? And how did you fund the deal? Um, our best deal we actually found our, with our, from our wholesaler. It was our fourth deal. It was turnkey, kind of, <laughs> like very minimal. I just had to build a new porch, um, and that's in Muncie. Um, and we inherited tenants. It was cash flowing. Um, we paid thirty-four grand for it, and we... We're, yeah. yeah, we're netting about 650 a month on it. So we have like a 32% ROI. And um, when we get a mortgage on it, though, our cash flow will drop to like 440, which still fits our model because it's a duplex. So it's where you've been wanting 300 yeah. for that, basically. So it's it knocks it out of the park for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, the tenants have been great. So we just kept them in there. Uh, we were a little hesitant inheriting tenants just because we just didn't know what they were going to do, but um, they were there for a long period of time. And we were like, well, I mean, if they're loyal and they're able to just stay and keep paying rent then we'll keep them in there. It's yeah. no problem. For Got us, another 12 month so. lease sign. And away we yeah. Go. <laughs> and we didn't have to do as much as we expected to do with the property because they were honestly just fine with it. And they didn't really want us to do any maintenance besides fixing the porch. So we were like, Hey, if you're really sure, if you're happy. <laughs> yeah, then all right. It ain't fine. broke, man. Don't fix it. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that being your best deal, what do you do with the cash flow? Do you uh, are you saving it up to reinvest it into another bird property? Yeah, we've we've had a little problem with um, with occupancy um, with some of our other properties. So, honestly, the, some of the cash flow has gone into like maintaining and trying to keep get those properties rented, um, but for the majority we're just saving our, our cash flow right now to um to either acquire new properties um help fix the old ones and just move our business forward we're not drawing anything from it so when you go to budget your properties do you do it 
per unit? Like, uh, so for example, do you have a set number per unit for vacancy and to do expenses or does it just go into a pool and then you just delegate the money from there? We have, we have it split up like per property. So like, like 10% for, um, for property management, 5% for vacancy, uh, in a uh, CapEx repairs, stuff like that. Um, and then right now we, it's just pooled, uh, cause uh, but we are looking to add like a savings account and stuff for, for repairs and maintenance so we can separate the money a little bit more. Yeah. I asked because I know some people who set up uh, different LLCs for each of their properties and then they treat each property as a business. Uh, so I was seeing if you guys did the same thing and see if you could elaborate a little on that, but I kind of like the strategy that you guys do better is just put everything in one pool of money per se, but still have a budget for each unit. We have the four properties because they're smaller. Like I think it's a great idea to put like bigger properties under one LLC to just protect each one. But because they're so small, it's it makes more sense to just like put them all in one for now. But when we go into apartment buildings, then absolutely LLC or S corp. Yeah, and that guidance was from our tax professional, by the way, our, our CPA. She's the one that told us like it's probably better if you just keep them all under one. We have an S corp, so put them under your S corp for now because they are smaller. And once you grow and increase, then we can have the separate LLCs. But um, just to also the pricing for the LLC out here in California and all that kind of stuff, she was like, just put them all under the S corp, and then we can move from there once you guys get bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's transition into maybe your worst deal in your property, or if you have any horror stories about tenants you had to evict. I know you use property management, but. Uh, do you have any, <laughs> have any stories on that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, Zach, have you heard of meth? <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> That's apparently an issue in Indiana. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think this was four days after Christmas. Um, I wake up to an email saying, hey, just a heads up, uh, we had to evict one of your tenants. Um, he got arrested the night before, and we did a, the police searched the property. They found weapons. They found <laughs> drug paraphernalia. I don't know if they found drugs, but they found everything else. <laughs> so wow. that was, yeah. So that one wasn't too, like that. And then right after that, though, we went through another eviction. And that property, um, that was a bigger issue. Like he, he kept coming back to the property and, um, he told his friends that he owned it. Or so it's like they uncle were, was the owner. And I'm like, yeah. So they kept breaking in. Cause he was like, yeah, no, it's fine. Just like come through the window. And so they did. We're like, How is that? it was the strangest thing. It was with this specific triplex too. Our second one that we bought. Like everything went wrong with that triplex. Everything. We, we had to, we over rehabbed on it, which sucked. We, um, the rehab costed a lot more than we expected to, or not a lot more, but we did it go over budget. To rehab. We, it took over we overpriced um, the, the rents. The rents. Um, and then during the nice part of the, like the summer where it's people are renting more, then we went into the fall and then we were trying to lower it to like, but, at that point, it was it was already too late in the season for getting rentals. Mm -hmm. so we and then after we closed on this deal, like a week after our foundation uh, came in, it was like a seven foot hole to like the core of the earth. 
Yep. That's so on our Instagram. So everything was so wrong with this property. It was ridiculous. We, Mostly property management definitely led us astray on this. Um, it was just so awful. They just they they told us that the rents were fine when they were way overpriced. Um, and even to get us to go with them, these two this triplex was already under their management and under their care. So we were like, okay, like, let's test them out. Let's see how they do. We'll just keep the con that we did have some tenants in place in this triplex. We just, we're going to try to turn them around and let them finish out their leases with this property management company. And then we can let them go so we can rehab different things like that. And property management was great during that time. So we're like, okay, like, let's just stick with them. And that was terrible. <laughs> we had so many just bad, that. bad tenants, bad management. Mm -hmm. um, Wrong advice. They just led us astray on a couple yeah. things. So, yeah, it was. So, with that big asshole that you, <laughs> that, I'm just dumbfounded by that. So, how did you go about fixing that? And I'm sure that ate into a lot of your cash flow for that property. Yeah, yeah it was an extra ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So, and it took for ever too because like i don't know what it was but that year I, there was a lot of rain that year so that's why our contractor was like yeah he's like three months out i'm like three months <laughs> like we're like what are we gonna do for three months there's yeah. a hole in the ground yeah. so he he like stabilized it and um made sure the building's not gonna fall over or something yeah, like that, so. and we did have two tenants living in the property at the time so we were like are they going to just drop? Like, what, what is going to happen? So what was really, really nice. So that once we found out within an hour's time, we had a plan and that was helpful. And from our property management company, basically, um, cause they, our contractor called us and told us the problem. We called property management within minutes. They were in contact with the tenants to let them know what had happened and to offer them to go stay in a hotel for the night until it was repaired or at least like secured for them to come back because we didn't want them to fall through. Um, but most of them actually decided to, actually they all wanted to stay. They didn't want to leave. Yeah. So we had them sign a, like a- It was in their lease. Um, like the, if they elect to stay, it's like liabilities waived kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's on them if they just- go through the earth so <laughs> yeah so but yeah we, we definitely try to take care of them to make sure that they felt safe and secure and everything and the next day we did have the whole thing patched up and secured so it wasn't necessarily repaired but it was safe enough for people to live in yeah right so what was the biggest thing that you learned from that foundation caving in or maybe over budgeting on that rehab um i think it was just over rehabbing in general, just knowing your location and knowing your tenant pool um, and just what you have to do to a property to make it rent ready. Um, that was a really big lesson. And then working with property management and like real, seeing basically what they're, what they're renting at, like what, what are their numbers for different rentals in this specific area? Um, that was a big one. And then also working with an agent specific to the, to the area and to the sub market because our agent was about 20, he lived like 20 minutes from the little town. More but, Indianapolis area. Right. But it was still a suburb of Indy. But like we said, living here, going 20 minutes down the road, who cares? Like, I know that town too. Yeah. So we just assumed he would know and he 
didn't really. And the this triplex wasn't necessarily in the best part of town, which is why we were having so much trouble with tenants and yeah. with renting it out and all that kind of stuff. So let's go into some closing questions here. What would be, I guess, your biggest advice to new investors who just don't know where to get started or maybe just doesn't know how to get started in real estate? I think my biggest advice um, is go to meetups, um, local, local places to where you can like talk with other investors, um, listening to podcasts like yours um, and uh, uh, to learn those little nuances and listen for those um, and partner with someone if, if you're like cash strapped or something to get, to get in initially. Um, but just moving forward on an easier deal just to get your feet wet, even if you're not making a ton of money, just to get the, the repetitions down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say definitely to learn, like first pick what it, what it is that you want to invest in. Like, what are you looking to do? Are you looking to wholesale? Are you looking to flip? Are you looking to buy and hold? What is it that you want to focus on? And then learn everything you can about that. And once the information starts to become repetitive and you're like, I've heard this so many times, I feel like that means that you're ready to just dive in and start getting into a property. Mm -hmm. Cause that's kind of what we did. We studied everything we could for basically a year. And then last year in January, February, that's when we were like, everything is just saying the exact same thing. I think it's time for us to get in a deal and actually get our feet wet and see what we're missing in all these other podcasts and stuff to figure out what we're doing, mm -hmm. what we missed. Yeah. It's kind of like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I like that. And I've started to notice that a lot of people, when they think about real estate, it's like, you go buy a total gut job, you put a hundred thousand dollars into the rehab and then hope that you make your money back. And that's probably from what you see on TV. But I feel like a lot of people don't realize how simple it is that you can find a good deal that, you know, maybe needs a couple thousand dollars worth of repairs just to update it and get it rent ready. Like you said earlier, and then boom, they have their first property underneath their belt. Yeah. yeah it's definitely not as difficult as, people think. I think it's a very simple process. It's not necessarily easy, but it's simple. So, and learning it and understanding it and just knowing the lingo of real estate can really improve your confidence and just boost that up so that you're ready. And it's going to be scary. Anything you do the first, for the first time is going to be scary. So, but just overcoming that fear and understanding what your fear is um, and then conquering it yeah. and then jumping into that deal not being afraid to fail and just going for it mm -hmm. once you feel ready but you'll never feel ready <laughs> but like there's a there there will come a point where it's like i should move forward but i'm scared right. right yeah and like you said just if you know the lingo and you feel comfortable and you hear the same thing over and over again then you know just go ahead and learn and fail and hopefully you learn something from your failures um so what would be the most important thing that you've taken away from real estate investing or just owning a business in general? I would say perseverance for sure. Cause I mean, we, we messed up so much our first year just with, um, parts of our team, the properties that we chose and just different things. We just messed up, but we just kept going because we knew that this is, this is what we had to do to, for our why and understanding your why and, um, just working towards it, never forgetting it. And so I remember somebody told me that if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not big enough. So, good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And so um, really having that, like that deep desire to get to your why is going to be key for everything that you do in real estate or whatever it is that you, you decide because every business that you start is going to be hard. It doesn't matter what it is. And it's, you're going to have to rely on other people to do it, you know? So you really have to be passionate about it and um, just want to conquer it despite all of the mistakes and the mishaps that happen. Cause they are going to happen. You know, if, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. That's what yeah. I would say. And if, and if this, like what else, like what else can give you these returns with the consistency? Like, I mean, we have, we have money in the stock market too and haha, it went down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, and the stock market I'm confused by it. We have a financial advisor, so it's real estate. It's simple. Um, and you can, you can move up and pretty easily. So I put out a post earlier on my Instagram and I've been reading a book by Jocko Willink. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all about leadership and it had me thinking about real estate as real estate's business. You can be as hands on or as hands off as you want and you can lead all your contractors and you can manage your tenants or you can literally just collect a cash flow check. Um, so what does leadership look like to you guys in real estate? Does it look like managing your contractors? And like you guys said earlier, I guess being able to have that relationship with your contractors to trust them, to refer them to other people, or what does leadership in real estate look like? Leadership, in my opinion, and based on like a lot of stuff Jocko says, like just is owning your choices and your decisions. So taking extreme ownership and that will just bleed into all of all of the aspects of your life. Um, and that's like leading with um, like our contractors and stuff. Like I've, I've done rehabs on my own house and on, I've helped clients with, with rehabs as well. So like knowing, um, or shoot, I lost my. <laughs> that's okay. For me, it's also um, taking care of your team. I think good leaders, they're always in the trenches with their, whoever they're guiding. And that's what we really want it to be for every, everybody involved in our rentals or business model in general, whether it's our agent, our property management, our tenants even. We want to make sure that all of them are taken care of. And whenever there's a problem, they feel comfortable coming to us. Whenever they want guidance or whatever they need, they can come talk to us. Even with other people wanting to learn whatever it is that we're doing, like we just want to be a source of um, information and guidance for people and um, just make sure that people are taken care of. So it's not just all about us, it's about everybody. We wanna make sure that our houses are great places to live, which is something that we found in these small towns, which is another reason why we like it, is there's so many, I don't wanna, well, there's not the best landlords, I guess. I don't wanna use like the other word for it, but the landlords aren't the best and the owners aren't the best. And these people are living in terrible conditions like some of the tenants that we inherited, their units were awful. And we were like, how could someone let somebody else live in a place like this? So I wanted to be just have pride and ownership of my places so that my tenants felt comfortable that they were in a safe place to live. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way. Just even with property management, they were like, we haven't had an owner do stuff like this for this property in so, so long. Mm -hmm. So that just shows your heart and it shows where your mind is and just where you want your team to be focused on and they respect you and you respect them. And, um, it, 
it goes a long way for sure. Yeah, I really like that. Um, and fun fact about Jocko is that he's also a real estate investor. I don't know if you knew that. So knowing, you know, his, his daily watch thing on Instagram. <laughs> uh, Does it but yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really liked your explanation there, Janelle. And just, I don't know how people let people live in some of the conditions that they do. And I really like that you guys are in the industry to hopefully, you know, make it better for somebody, even if it's for a year, but just being able to make a difference in that person's life. So let's transition to what's the next step for you in your business. Uh, you know, how many rentals do you want? How do you think that you're going to get there? Are you going to keep burning, try to 1099 to get into larger properties or not 1099, 1031 mm -hmm. uh, to get into larger properties? Yeah. Um, so I think our, our goals for this year, um, I'm looking at them on the road. We want to buy our first commercial property, um, ideally apartment building um, this, this year. Our goal was to add and uh, to double our units from 11 to 22 this year. Um, so we're um, COVID slowed it down a little bit, but um, I think Q, Q3, Q4 is when we're really going to ramp it up. Um, our refinances should close and stuff. So yeah, six properties, 22 units this year and uh, cash flow around 150 a door, a little bit less if it's, um, if they're like larger apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we eventually, I was thinking about this, that we eventually want to get to a hundred units, um, but we really want to be financially free. Mm -hmm. That's our ultimate goal. Yep. And so getting the $5,000 a month and net cash flow is going to be great and huge. So we really want to focus on our net income because I mean, if someone has a hundred units, but they're only netting a thousand bucks a month, then who cares? <laughs> you know, like it sounds cool that they have a hundred units, but they're not making any money. So it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So we, we try to focus as much as we can on the cash flow and not necessarily on unit count, even though it's super tempting to be like, Oh, I need to get to 50 units. I, I need to get to 100. Yeah, exactly. But, um, we just got to get back to our why and our goals and that's to be financially free. So right now, $5,000 um, in that cash flow, And then um, that should put us at 22 units a door or 22 units um, to get to that number. So that's why, that's how we got the 22. Mm -hmm. And are you hoping to do that all in the Indianapolis area or do you want to venture out into other cities? There's a couple other markets that uh -huh. we're, we're looking to get into. Um, so like Dayton was one, so right by you. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, Louisville is another one, and but I mean right now too with kind of what's going on with the economy and stuff, we're I mean we're looking in our own backyard probably in a few months just to see like what is going to be out there and if people are gonna like how how bad is it gonna get? <laughs> so right. we're kind of we're waiting to see see that too. But yeah, so we're kind of taking Q2 or these next three months to um, just see what the market is doing and kind of keep our reserves pretty heavy unless we find like a killer deal that we just can't pass on. We'll definitely mm -hmm. jump on it, but nothing has come our way yet. Um, that looks like that. So we're kind of just kind of just scoping it out and seeing what happens. Cause we don't think that Indy's going to be hit very hard. Uh, we've talked to our agent out there and he's like, Houses are still flying off the shelves. Like there's not very much inventory. So appreciation still should be there. Um, same thing in like Louisville and Dayton, but out here it's going to be a little different. So we're trying to see where this market goes yeah. before we 
Yeah. Like we're even, um, we're working on our uh, wholesaling company too. So we have a partner with that, that we're, um, kind of ramping things up for, um, both Indiana and we're, um, we're working out out here too with our connections being in real estate out here. So well, if you guys are ever in Dayton going to Louisville, you have to go through Cincinnati. So make sure you hit me up. So what would be any tools or books that you would recommend to real estate investors or maybe just anybody getting into business that helped you guys out? Sure. I think my, one of my favorite books, um, what is, um, no, it's, it's like multifamily millionaire. Million. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's multifamily. My favorite book, <laughs> my favorite book is Multifamily Millions by David Lindahl. That book is basically the Burr method, but for apartment buildings, and it was like written in 2010. So it's how it's called repositioning with that because we were super passionate about getting into commercial multifamily. Um, that was a great book on how people do these massive transactions and it's it's boils it down it's very simple but it's not easy you know yeah um, it's basically like the long distance real estate investor book by david green and his burr book combined into one but for apartment buildings mm-hmm. so it's super super interesting and we yeah we love it because we definitely want to do like you said the five to 20 units this year it's kind of what we're focusing on mm-hmm. um another book would be uh the R- richest man in babylon that's another really good one Who's yeah. that one by? Do you know? It's an old book. It is a yeah, book. I was going to say, I've heard of that book before, but, and like you said, I think it was an older book. Yeah, it's, it's very old, but it's really, really good. George Samuel, oh, so The Richest Man in Babylon by George Samuel Clausen. Clausen, something like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to give that one a, uh, a read when I'm done with the Jocko Willink book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's more, it's more of like a parable and like a story. So it, it reads really easily. I think I knocked it out in two, like there and back plane flights from to Indiana. So like it, it can be a quick read, mm-hmm. um, but it's good. Yeah. And I really like uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. I just finished reading that book and that one is really, really good. It kind of just makes you think different. Basically it takes all of your past experiences with money, like how your parents viewed money, what the world taught you about money, different things like that, and reprogramming your mind in a way to think of it as a positive way and a positive just thinking in general. So it was really, really cool to just see how money was influential in my life before I had the mindset shift of like, no, it's okay to have it, I guess. So that one is really good. And then I also really liked Tribe of Millionaires by David Osborne? Uh, I think, I think yeah. it was David Osborne. Yeah. Um, that one is a little bit more of a story-based book, and I love reading. Um, I love reading novels or whatever it may be. So having it in, like, a story form and, like, about a guy yeah. going through all the trials that he did, it was – it's super, super good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was by David Osborne and a couple other people too, but um, uh, another book that he wrote with Hal Elrod oh, is yes. – uh miracle morning. miracle morning for millionaires it's mm-hmm. that we saw david osborne speak at the bigger pockets conference we bought the book and that dude it changed my mindset with with waking up and how it influences the day so that was a very one of the top influential books that i've read because we were not morning people until we read that book mm-hmm. I yeah, i'm not a morning it. person either <laughs> <laughs> it is morning. 
when I ate. Most I, sane yeah. people are not morning people. <laughs> <laughs> but but you have read, to be. <laughs> once we read that book, we became morning people. So it's, yeah, I recommend. Yeah, I feel like when I'm going into the office, I have the more of a drive to get up and like go to the gym before I go to work rather than when I have to be to work at eight in the morning, I wake up at seven fifty-five and <laughs> log into my computer. <laughs> awesome. So where can people connect with you guys at? You guys were awesome today and I really want people to find you and learn your story. Thanks man. Thanks. Um, I think the best place to reach us is uh, our Instagram happily ever investor. Um, that's a super easy way to find us also bigger pockets. Um, we have, we both have accounts on there. So that those two would probably be the best. Mm -hmm. But Instagram for sure. <clears throat> we're almost always on there. And so a simple DM is just the easiest. That's how we got in contact. Well, thank you for your time guys. And uh, I look forward to people listening to this. Thanks. Thanks man. Too. Yeah. yeah, it was great talking to you. Thanks for having us on. I want to thank Don and Janelle for their time on the episode today. They really give good information about investing out of state, using the Burr method to acquire more properties. They even break it down for new investors who might not understand how the Burr process works. If you like their story, make sure that you follow them on Instagram. I'll link their Instagram in the description below. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure that you like and subscribe to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Also, make sure that you follow us on Instagram at The Real and Real Estate Show.